0: and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read manga before. Hosted by me, Deb Aoki, David Brothers, Christopher Butcher, and Chip Sidarski. Follow along with our show notes and reading lists at Mangasplaining.com. All right, so this week, it's my pick. And I want to explain a little bit why I picked this manga, because it's not an obvious pick. <laughs> mm-hmm. There are two things that I thought about with this one. Well, actually, maybe three. Let's put three. One is that Kip writes horror books, so I thought it'd be really nice to introduce him to a horror manga. But I also didn't want to introduce him just yet to Junji Ito. Now, nothing wrong with Junji Ito. Junji Ito is an amazing artist. He's extremely popular, and there's now more books than ever available by him in English, which is an awesome thing. To the point where, you know, I think Kevin Hamrick at Viz was saying Junji Ito is almost his own category of manga. Like, Mm. he sells a ton of manga for good reason right there his artwork is amazing his storytelling is really unique and the horror is genuinely horror you know like scary in a lot of cases i figured jinji ito doesn't need the sales push of manga explaining. i figured maybe let's let's go a little deeper let's go for a deeper cut let's introduce readers to another horror manga artist who maybe isn't as well known and widely available in english as he should be
1: hmm. and
0: that artist is maru so a hero. And the book we're talking about today is The Strange Tale of Panorama Island. Now, the other t- two reasons why I picked this book was, one, it was kind of on an impulse. And I felt kind of guilty that we were, at a certain point, asking Chip to read a lot of books. <laughs> we were asking him to read many, many books in a, in a series. And I thought, yeah, let's look for a good one, one and done. You know, let's try mm. that. And then the other thought was like, well, you know, maybe let's... I love you, Viz. You're awesome. But maybe let's spotlight some other publishers. (laughs) So that was my thought of, you know, introducing uh, Panorama Island. I also think the art's really beautiful and, you know, very unique. Now, then, the reason why I'm apologizing a little bit is that after that, I went back and reread Panorama Island and thought, this isn't his best work. (laughs) And for that, I apologize. But just to kind of bring you up to speed, Strange Tell Panorama is basically in a literary adaptation. It's an adaptation of a short story or novella by a man named Edogawa Rampo. He's kind of like considered like the father of Japanese mystery stories in Japan. This was published in like the 1920s, which is kind of right in the middle of the middle or end of the Taisho period of Japanese history, which is when after the Meiji period, when the emperor came back into power and the Western influences started coming into Japan after like 220 years of isolation, complete isolation. And so then you go into the Taisho period, which is kind of like, it is very similar to Weimar Berlin. It's very similar to uh, Roaring Twenties in the U.S. and actually about the same time. It's this period of uh kind of like like wow what did you like kind of this vertigo that people are feeling about all the change that's happening in the world and Mm -hmm. then there's people you know all kinds of possibilities are opening about sexual um expression um creativity all kinds of influence you know japan in particular I make a hundred years prior was in a feudal era (laughs) yeah and then with with you know head-spinning uh ferocity it, it became a western country like a west country with a lot of western inventions and conveniences and that creates a lot of tension and social like kind of like anxiety which is kind of expressed here in this book so basically the book is the book is about a uh, set in that era it's about a, a novelist who is kind of a failed novelist he's not doing very well and then he finds out from his editor that his former schoolmate, who was a very rich, came from a very rich family, has died, and he goes, "Hey, didn't you, didn't you two look alike? You were practically brothers. You could have been twins." And so then this novelist kind of gets in his head, like, "Oh, I'm, I'm gonna go over and take this guy's place. I'm gonna pretend it's I'm him. Now that he's dead, and pretend I came back from the dead, and I'm gonna take over his life." And fulfill all my dreams, and one of his dreams is to take all this money and make this uh, this island of pure decadence and mm. and pleasure, and that's basically the gist of the story. It right. in a lot of ways it's it's an excuse for Maro hero to do two things that he loves to do. He loves to draw very beautiful settings and and decadence, ho- horror, and also to. Uh, Play up upon that era of Japanese history, so I'm kind of curious. So, Chip, what did you think of this book?
2: I really liked it. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I maybe it's because it is so unique, and, and and coming on the heels of Full Metal Alchemist and uh, uh, Naruto, like this is obviously a lot more adult and. There's boning in it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Takes about three quarters of the book, but it happens.
2: (laughs) There's even penises in this, which surprised me. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it for what it was, which is like, it's a horror short story. And Mm. you kind of know, kind of going into it, that that, that's what it's going to be. Like you kind of can, you kind of know where it's going to go but you're kind of along for the ride anyways, because it's so gorgeous and a, a lot of it feels like an excuse just for the artist to cr- create a panorama of their own, right? Like to kind of lose us in the world that they're creating of the mm-hmm. the book itself. So yeah, so I, I, I really dug it. So the weird part was <laughs> about a week ago, uh, sat down for family movie night and the movie that everyone picked was Dave Kevin Klein movie from like yeah. like the late eighties, early nineties about like the shitty president having a stroke and they bring in this impersonator.
1: Oh. <laughs> the impersonator
2: seems <laughs> to be a really decent guy and he kind of overthrows the bad people in the government and
3: oh Sigourney my gosh. Weaver. Oh, the first Sigourney 80s, Weaver.
2: falls in love with them. Yeah. Like it's actually a really <laughs> solid movie. Uh oh my gosh. I recommend it. But, <laughs> but I watched that and then I like maybe the next night I pulled this out to read it. I'm like this is like the anti-Dave. <laughs> this is amazing. Uh, so, I, so I was pretty thrilled with that coincidence.
0: I thought you were going to say the talented Mr. Ripley, but you should, really? yeah. you throw me a loop or a loop yeah. there.
2: <laughs> I mean, this feels, uh, it, this, this feels like one of those books where if I knew more about the time period and if I was a smarter person to probably get more from it, like mm. you kind of can tell, like when you're reading, you're like, Oh, this means something. Mm. And I feel a little bit smarter from for spotting that it means something, but I'm not smart enough to know exactly what it means, mm. if that makes any sense. Like, I it think does, there, yeah. there are subtle things throughout that it feel like commentary, like, even, like, at one point, like, he gives away, like, the, the kiln, the factory kiln or whatever that produces brick to mm-hmm. uh, the other guy that works there or whatever, because he's like, we don't need brick anymore because there's concrete. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that's about artisans for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very mass market thing. Yeah, for sure. Yes. That felt like some sort of signal of errors shifting Mm -hmm. into this kind of like more decadent Western kind of thing, which obviously, you know, Panorama Island itself feels like that.
1: Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Even just like taking the workers and being like, this is jobs. These are jobs. Like who cares what we're doing? This is, you know, you're going to be working like that feels like a very Western idea as well, where it's never, you know, it's always no one's ever looking at the big picture of the thing. Cause as long as there's jobs, it's okay. And yeah. And, and uh, you know, you, you, see the ending of this kind of coming, not necessarily a mile away, but you kind of, you know where it has to end up, but even still the way they ended it, and you know, obviously <laughs> there's spoilers here, Yeah, yeah. but the reign of blood <laughs> is fantastic. That's a that's a great that's a great solid ending.
3: Talk about going out was, on your own terms, eh?
2: I know exactly. Like I just, like, <laughs> just got to settle my affairs, strap myself to a firework, or whatever is going on. <laughs> that one scene, more than anything,
4: made me want to read the original book because there's no way the novel had that same ending. It did, really?
2: Yes, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I could. Get- I could see it having that ending because, like, it. This is kind of about. It's over the top. Like the island itself is over the top, and even what he goes through to get it. Like, you know, the mm-hmm. most horrific part of the book. Maybe I mean I know two of us were recently at the dentist, but um, <laughs> pulling out its own tooth to put that wood tooth in was just like, oh, okay, all right, it's going to be that kind of story, but never quite reached that level of horror. Even you know with the the murder and. And, and just tricking everyone around him like that's like that whole scene was like as, as horror, horrific as things got until that that final the button on it with the uh, the blood rain yeah I quite enjoyed it because it's, it's a the book is a piece of art and also this is the first one since Akira which I didn't read it digitally and mm. I think that really mm. helped it like I kind of I've forgotten about books <laughs> since the pandemic started like i I read exclusively digitally Mm. because i'm i'm not at home i'm traveling i've got an aversion to stuff but uh this is like it's such an art piece and the 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 paper texture and the coloring of the paper and the smell of it i I was reminded smelling this (laughs) that the beguiling where where chris used to work many a year ago Mm. they used to do a thing called the new york's new york times best smeller really (laughs) yeah where every week, they they take the new books and they'd smell them. They'd they rank them based on their smell, which is I get it, I get it, because the smell is Me actually too. a part of the experience. And like, this smells quite nice. Yeah, Hellboy books smell a certain way. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, that's those are those are my initial takes on this. I, I quite enjoyed it. I especially appreciate the fact that it was a, a done in one, so it felt very complete. So that's thank great. you, Deb. <laughs>
0: Dave? So, David, I want to get your take on mm-hmm.
4: this. Then, I uh, I was curious if I would go after Chip or not because I kind of liked it, but I didn't. I don't remember if you said it was horror before today or not. So I was just going to go in cold. I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. Edogawa Rampo. Of course, it's going to be a mystery." And it was sort of like reading a mystery novel from the opposite perspective, from like the heist perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at the end, the detective just shows up and everything falls apart immediately, and then it's over. Mm-hmm. Mm. which wasn't what I thought was going to happen. But, mm. but like Chip said, firework, incredible.
1: Yeah.
4: Like just in terms of a way to end the book, like the, the villain going, being like, yep, I did it. I'll see you in 30 minutes. And then it exploding. And then going to the title page. Incredible. Like that is yeah. award-winning storytelling. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> but, that, but so yeah. since I was reading it as a mystery, like as a detective novel, it kept not, it kept kind of defying my expectations. Yeah. Mm. Because I know Ron Poe a little bit, I've seen a couple of movies based on his work, and I've I keep meaning to read uh, some of his translated work. So I was expecting like Arthur Conan Doyle, like this guy stole his identity, and now the detective's going to show up and chase him. But the detective at the end, who's like a really iconic, famous character, is really only on like five, six pages, yeah. something like mm-hmm. that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's less of a detective story; it's more like Crime and Punishment. Yeah, you're kind of you're following the person that committed the crime throughout. Of it's such a ludicrous
4: happen. crime. Like it really gets across how how long ago 1920 was. <laughs> yeah. 1920s. Because he basically just shows up and says, Hey, I'm this guy. And yeah. everyone's like, Holy crap, you came back to life. And then that's basically it for the rest of the book. Yeah. Like he convinces the people who doubt him. He murders his wife, which was not great. No. Uh, but he gets away with it. Like he's he it's pretty pretty amazing.
2: You get the way but yeah, it, but the, the murder of the wife is what tips everything over, right? Because she doesn't come yeah. back from the island.
4: That's like his, uh, not original sin. But yeah, that's definitely like kind of what pulls the rug out from under him. But yeah, incredibly drawn. Like, I feel like this is one of those books where the artist was just like, what can I draw that will make a bunch of other artists really upset? <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Like there's a, a layout that was in a spiral for no reason. And it was just like a normal conversation about going bankrupt, but it was just laid out in a really interesting way.
1: Yeah, there's some
2: there's some beautiful page layouts in here.
4: Yeah, and I noticed that he very rarely breaks panel borders, except for word balloons yeah. and the mm-hmm. occasional figure. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like it feels very regimented in that way for me, despite being such like a freewheeling kind of about anything type of manga.
2: Yeah, but it's, it's very technical art. Like the the line weight is yeah. very consistent. Like I can see that kind of mindset, not being one that's going to like bust out of the panels that often. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah. But the stuff he shoves into the panel, like uh, page 52, where he's laying in the grave, like in the funeral gear and there's like a snake crawling across his body. Mm. It's just so detailed and so well composed, like the angles perfect. Yeah. But then when you think about it, it's like, how is this plan going to work? Like I had a really hard, really hard time with suspicion of disbelief here.
2: Yeah, I mean, like they, when
4: he pulls the finger off the ring and the tooth, and woof, ugh. I was in by that point.
2: Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah they, they they kind of set it up by like, oh, there have been stories of people who have had like epileptic seizures who are mistaken for dead. Like, they, they definitely yeah. have to shoehorn in like the plausibility of it at the beginning.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
4: But chapter two ending with his like desiccated face, like smiling, like he got away with it.
0: Yeah.
4: Like, yeah. like masterwork. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a really fast read too. It was almost three hundred pages, but it flew by. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of parts that are just beautiful panoramas
1: <laughs> or double <laughs> right, page yeah.
0: spreads of things or just silent silent scenes where like they're riding on the train together and not talking to each other. So that's partly yeah. what makes it a fast read. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. you could you could spend a lot of time on this book. I probably spent more time on this book than others just to kind of study the panels and the pages a bit more because there mm-hmm. was so much mm-hmm. going on. So yeah, it can be a fast read, it can be a slow read. Mm-hmm. It's 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 definitely one that I, I think someone would revisit more often than maybe some yeah. of the other books we've read. Definitely.
4: Ryan Sands and Kyoko Nitta did the translation and it was really smooth. Like I very rarely hit anything that made wow. me kind of pause or like like a speed bump. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Ryan true. has been a, a big proponent of uh Maru Hero. I mean he's had this blog, this blog called Same Hat where he mm-hmm. spotlighted a lot of underground manga artists. And I think, you know, like right now, like Ryan did that wonderful interview with Jinji Ito at TCAF,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where he, I, I swear every, like, it feels like every six months, someone retweets that tweet that I did, where uh, Jinji Ito finds out that, that SpongeBob SquarePants and Steven Universe copped his work. <laughs> it's <laughs> parodied his work and he went, really? That's for real? That's a real kids' show? Yeah. <laughs> so Ryan is amazing at, you know, getting to the heart of the matter and doing great interviews and his love of this material really these shows.
4: Mm-hmm. And there's a lot in here to love on that level. Like there's page 17. There's a department store that's like the logo is a clock on the side of the building. Mm. And it's such a cool idea. And it's so like you never see things like that anymore. I don't think that kind of really ornate kind of commercialism commercial art, I suppose. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's actually really cool. And then on the facing page, there's like this casual fine art style painting of a lady in repose. Like he has such a range. Mm -hmm. And then on the very next page, there's a photorealistic portrait of Edgar Allan Poe. Yep. Yep. Like this, is, I feel it is like a tech on concrete level of just absolutely nailing it on the art side and kind of making everyone who reads it like kind of want more out of their art. Yeah. There's are so many facial expressions, poses. I don't know. It, it kills me. This is the exact type of book that I like to read, even if the story was a little hard to buy into.
0: That's a very <laughs> gentle way of putting it, I think,
3: which is good.
0: Yeah. Let's let Chris jump in with his take on this.
3: I had so many thoughts. This is actually probably... I reread the book. The first time I read the book, I read it. I put it down. thought about it for like I don't know a minute and I'm like no and I uh, picked it up and read it again (laughs) I really it was one of those things that on first and even second reading to a degree I really appreciated but I don't think I liked I could tell there was a lot of stuff going on here that really worked and I think reading it this time almost this is 2013 this was published in English so this is you know nine years eight or nine years removed I get what it's trying to be a little bit better now and I think I like it I actually do like it, rather than just appreciating it. But I, I think I appreciate it even more. It's interesting that you mention the ending because there's so many like literary illusions, artistic illusions. There's so much going on. This this artist is really like i'm sure some of it's in the original text but some of it is this artist trying to show how smart he is which i kind of love actually (laughs) like i love that he's like oh but are you familiar with this painting of the death of ophelia and it's like yeah we got that one he's like are you familiar with this painting it's like no you know what that one figure that's supposed to be in a hieronymish bosch like garden of earthly delights did not pick that one out of your illustration until deb i saw your notes and i'm like (laughs) Oh that's where that's from but I do think the ending because we already commented on the ending here there's a there's an Oscar Wilde this book has oscar wilde all over it even though it's not a, start, a stated thing but it feels very much like a oscar wilde kind of fairy tale but the last line of his book uh, the remarkable rocket is i knew i should create a sensation gasped the rocket and he went out just after the rocket like explodes all over everybody and then he dies at the end and i'm like oh that's definitely an oscar wilde illusion the ending is like <laughs> someone tying themselves to a rocket creating a sensation and then burning out except with blood everywhere
0: <laughs> wow
3: uh,
4: and I again, did, hilarious. It is. It is so
3: funny, right? Like, and, yeah. it is so funny. But also, it's interesting too because that I didn't. I mean, I picked uh, Paradise Kiss, which had strong influences by Velvet Goldmine, which was which had a lot of Oscar Wilde in it as well. And it's so this is like two or three books in a row now that I that are like of that of that moment uh, of that this like you know early two thousands mid two thousands moment that I think are really interesting choices. The other thing that I think is really key is that, like, yeah, absolutely, this is the the Roaring Twenties. This is the Weimar Republic in Berlin. This is like this like What are the limits of human sexuality and human achievement and human depravity and whatever? Like, we're going to push everything in every direction and see what happens. There's a lot of that in the Invisibles, uh, particularly in the, the second and third arc as well. Mm. But also this book was created in the seventies. So there's like this absolute patina of like blacklight poster art going on in this, like not in the style exactly. Like it doesn't look like that, but there are so many panels. And then eventually towards the end pages that are pinups that are pinups done in this, like what if a lot of crazy shit was happening and like a beautifully laid out, like this, a lot of the seventies artwork is like, uh, sort of a do-over of the uh, Alphonse Mucha sort of- uh, Maxfield Parish. Yeah, Maxwell Parish kind of stuff. Like, you know, like things come around, things come around.
0: This is 2008. Yeah, 2008. Sorry. I thought
3: this book, is is this a 2008 original by him? Because mm-hmm. his career yeah. took off in the 70s, Amarillo's career. No,
0: he actually debuted in the 80s. I thought he was 56. He, he debuted oh, in wow. 1980. Uh, okay. Like there was a there's a little anecdote at the beginning at the end of the book where his bio mm. and it says at age 17 he went to Shonen Jump and was told that his work was not suitable for adolescence.
4: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Which I loved. And then <laughs> later
0: yeah. on at age 25 or something like that he worked for Topan which is like the Japanese printing company. Then he debuted. And then I did the math. It's like, oh, that's 1980.
3: <laughs> See, I did the math wrong. I thought it was mid 70s so yeah mm. there you chris, go oh no chris, i withdraw all my uh
2: all my references <laughs> chris you don't know shit about manga <laughs>
0: <laughs> no but probably you know like i withdraw think from the <laughs> his influences like i i was in high school like in the 80s i mean you know, like this is like mm-hmm. in like punk kind of era and like so people like maxfield parish and like mucha and um what's his name aubrey beardsley were super popular then with art mm. school types
1: yeah like, yeah,
0: like that that type of illustration and line work and Sure, I I reinstate my point. Things come back around. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I did see a lot
3: like just in how these panels and and pages are framed. It's just kind of like crazy uh to me that this is yeah. what's going on.
4: To be fair to Chris, I did think when I started reading I was like is this Gekiga from the 70s? But then I looked it up and I was like, wow, okay, it's a descendant of that, I suppose. Yeah.
3: This the, it's very interesting too. It's not, it's interesting that this would have been the first one translated in some ways because there had been other works of his translated in French, mm-hmm. like the French comics industry had like four or five of his books, but not this one. Uh, this one was, I guess, new, and then I guess maybe Ryan saw it and brought it to Last Gasp and had it translated within five years of of it debuting in Japan, which. You know, at the time was pretty tight for one of those yeah. timelines. Mm.
0: I mean, there were other books published earlier, um, like, but they're very, very, very out of print, and they're kind of like like Mr. Arashi's amazing freak show or that um, comics underground Japan anthology. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I got introduced to his work. But like, like in comics underground Japan, he did a story called Planet of the Jap, which mm. was like this super gory uh, retelling of. What would have happened if Japan won the war? It's won, not, it won, doesn't won. end well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't end well for, uh, let's see, General MacArthur, I'll say that right off the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the Mr. Arashi's Amazing Freak Show is kind of like a, a playoff of um, that Todd Browning film, Freaks. Mm. It's super, it's really disturbing. And there's the, the animated version of that story is banned in Japan and U.S.,
1: uh, because Whoa. of its
0: extreme violence, like apparently there's a scene where the girl like stomps a kitten, and you can see yeah. the blood and guts and intestines all over the place.
3: Jeez, yeah, it's intense.
0: There's a there was a live action film version, and that is also kind of very difficult to see. <laughs> it's the kind um, of thing
3: that suspect video would have had a copy of from somewhere, and you weren't supposed to ask where they got it. All right, yeah, I guess. that was I a chip it. reference. Yeah.
0: So Maroso a Hero kind of has like this co- had this. He, this is an extremely mild book of his. Yeah. Like the like this. How I got introduced to his work was like my my friend guy used to run this record store called Animals Ate Them, and he would play all this underground like Japanese noise music, like by the Boredoms and stuff. Mm. This lead singer from the Boredoms was with a avant-garde jazz group called Naked City, which was run by John Zorn, and that one of the one of the cover arts for Naked City was an illustration by Moro where it's a Japanese schoolboy peeling off a woman's face and licking her eyeball.
4: Oh yeah. I've seen that drawing.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: And that'll be in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> so Look forward to that, I guess. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, this one's clearly not about like kind of the graphic nature of horror. Isn't it? Mm. I mean, th- th- at points it is, but, you know, really it's about the opulence and the decadence of this vision.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Like the sex comes so late in this book that it seems almost understated when it finally happens. Like, yeah. way weirder things have happened before they get to like the explicit sex.
3: Yeah. yeah like he pulls out his own tooth. Like that yeah. was, or yeah. cuts off. Like, yeah. It was. Yeah, uh, the
2: the sex is decoration in this.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It has this quality that like these ultra decadent pieces of art do that it's you know it's going to go off the rails like you know that this is like impermanent and beauty fades and blah 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 but it's going to go out in like a real way like it starts off with like the sex and the the frolicking and the 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 almost nude figures and then turns into nude figures and then turns into like hardcore porn with like some other stuff going on and then turns into like and you're like Whoa, okay. Like, if this had twenty more pages, like this book would be banned, like because it was just <laughs> yeah. on a trajectory. You know what I'm saying?
1: And we don't,
2: <laughs>
3: we don't get there in this one, but
2: but it's, it's only also, because the
3: detective shows up and puts an end to everybody's fun.
2: But it's also it, it's also why Atomi is okay with that at that point, like because it's already everything's accelerated in, uh, enough on the island that he. I think he knows that it's it's the tipping point. Like mm. at some point it's just mm. gonna be like how much more kind of debaucherous does it get until people are horrifically debaucherous and then mm. it's no longer yeah. the, the vision that he has.
4: <clears throat> there, while I was reading this, this reminded me actually of a Sandman story. Oh, do tell. Yeah, and this is like the first time in my life I've told the Sandman because I'm not particularly into the comics, <laughs> but I just reread the graphic novel, Endless Nights. Okay. And I think the William Michael Kaluta story with the island where death is waiting outside of it. Mm-hmm. And on the island, time has stopped. It's still 1560, whatever. And there's basically a panorama island going on where death can't enter. She just needs someone to open the door for her like 600 years later.
1: Mm.
4: And a lot of the imagery, a lot of like the similar approach to sex, the similar... uh Is it libertine? Uh, Like hedonistic approach to life is Mm -hmm. in that story as well. Yeah. And though I want to tie back to one thing Chip said, because I just put something together that was moving kind of away from artisans and more towards something Mm -hmm. more exploitative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The first thing he does for Panorama Island is kick off all of the people on the island. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like people live there, they work there. There's a community, and he's like, "We're going to revitalize the island with this project." Yeah. But. You can't revitalize something that's already alive. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. And when he calls in his performers and entertainers, I think it's very interesting that they're majority not Japanese.
1: Mm.
4: There's like the lone white guy that shows up. He's like, What's going on here? Which I thought was pretty funny.
3: <laughs> I liked that he had a different font. Like that's clearly left over from the Japanese edition
1: that was part, Yeah. That was <laughs> uh,
4: not that you can, you know, guess ethnicity from drawings, but I think that they're intended to be People who aren't from here, people who don't appreciate a certain type of way of life.
1: Yeah.
4: And, but there's something that this writer guy aspires to, Mm
1: -hmm.
4: and it sort of dooms him in the end, like chasing that dream. Mm -hmm. Even all the architecture and stuff, all the paintings, like I feel like there's very little Japanese representation.
3: Yeah. It starts off very clearly with the end of the Taisho era, the, uh, the, era. The, mm-hmm. the Taisho emperor is dead. It's talking about how everything we've known as Japanese people is over. And now here's this like brand new future that we're going to forge that's going to incorporate these like Western ideas, very specifically these utopian ideas from you know Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, it gets name checked, which is like icing yeah. on the cake in those first couple pages. And I think that's really interesting. And it is interesting that it's like a Japanese detective using Japanese detective skills. It's a very like off panel. I actually figured out your entire scheme, did all the interviews with people. And now I'm here to, to tell you that I've caught you. And then the guy's just like, yep, you got me like instead of a court case or whatever, like it. it's yeah. like, Oh, it's a very Japanese ending and then he seppuku's, like, he, he goes out on his own terms. And I like that the detective, who's the good guy, who goes on to be in, like, a bunch of other different mm-hmm. novels and stuff like that, is just, like, literally drenched in this dude's blood at the end, like, with that shocked face. I, th- I was like, oh, you didn't win, actually. Like, he still won. Like, this whole yeah. thing was him, beginning, middle, and end. And, you're like, the detective's supposed to come in. He's supposed to Poirot it at the end and figure it all out. Oh, and oh, he, yeah. did, he
2: did not. <laughs> I was just gonna say when the detective shows up at the end, I'm like, is this the same detective from Helter Skelter? <laughs> yeah. So they just, they yeah both look, oh my like, god! They look like the same guy. He's super cool. He's got like a hand in his pocket. Like, and, hey, I just kind of figured it out. <laughs> so,
4: I, after I figured out what happened with the explosion, I desperately wanted the last page of the book to be the Curb Your Enthusiasm in credit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so
0: <tried> <laughs> oh my god
4: because <laughs> the look on his face where he's putting things together and he sees the hand on the ground yeah. the hand which is posed very intentionally i feel i don't know if mm. like the um it's a reference to something or not
3: mm. well it's I not the know. ring i thought it was a I thought that yeah. hand was about the ring showing the ring
4: specifically oh oh, oh no, it that's doesn't right have the, ring.
0: the ring oh no it but doesn't. the ring
4: finger it it also doesn't have the ring finger so oh. that could go either way
0: yeah, huh. but
2: it's also uh, but it's also just the uh, it's the it's the two piece finger. So maybe he's like, peace out.
4: Yeah, <laughs> Victory. Yeah, yeah. I I'm, yeah. I'm have
3: to I'm gonna have to put a warning on the show notes for this one because I'm gonna have to show this page. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. There's gonna be a lot of warning. Actually, there's a dick on the front cover. Oh, there is in the upper right. The guy sitting on the turtle. Oh, so I remember yeah. seeing him in the book and thinking that was such oh, yeah. a funny statue looking guy. Yeah. I think he's the. Uh, it's hard to like keep one. Oh, guy.
0: yeah, yeah, but you, you you can barely see it because it's right it's right on right on the the binding. So you, I think, like, yeah. like, yeah. I've never noticed that.
2: <laughs> yeah, clever. You, you got a real eagle eye for dicks. I try. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So yeah, that's a very. This is real. That's actually a famous statue. Statue of Bacchus uh, sitting on a turtle. It's like one of the incarnations of Bacchus. Yeah, there's a couple of other Bacchus statues in this as well. There's like lots of incarnations of Bacchus. He's portrayed as uh, as a little person uh, in this one. But yeah, there's like so many Bacchus statues. Like this whole idea of like frivolity and whatever is just. Yeah, if you're an art history major, this is the book for you.
0: It totally is
3: going on here.
4: Yeah, is the just jester character on the cover also a reference because i feel like i've seen that design before
3: yeah it's it's a harlequin maybe the mm-hmm. invisibles yeah
4: oh harlequin oh duh
3: like i i'm sure these these birds mean something too but damn yeah. she looks like she looks like every 1930s advertising illustration and it's like <laughs> there's like a fashion illustration this must be a famous illustration as well
2: Mm-hmm, ah, mm-hmm. i have yeah. to look it up i do like that the the wife on the uh chiyoko on the, on the cover
1: mm-hmm.
2: doesn't really look like her from inside the book yeah but she's just like hmm yeah so what a nice island you have here it's just not <laughs> the vibe of her in the book not at all
0: she doesn't get much character development i'll say that right off no, the top
2: no, no
4: definitely yeah. definitely not that's that's a, a big uh downside Chris, I have a request for the show notes. Okay, On go for it. page 109, yeah. they juxtapose Chiyoko with a certain type of mask. Can you look into what that mask means and tell us and our listeners? Which page? Uh, 109? Uh, 109.
3: 109.
4: Which another great layout. Oh, it's a no All mask. All the bugs and stuff. Yeah, I'm wondering if it has a specific meaning that we're supposed to infer from the uh, juxtaposition.
1: Oh. Oh, yeah. Because well, they do
4: the Hellboy, Mike Mignola... Mm-hmm like impact panel with just the mask and it feels so pointed.
0: I don't know the particular, I like, um, there are different no masks for women. And this mm-hmm. one is like, the, like the maiden, but then there's one, a counterpoint to the oni woman.
4: Oh yeah. The Hanya. Yeah. Yeah. I love that one.
0: Mm. But I don't know Maybe what, I, I don't know the, the particular no, like there's one that's a, uh, an old woman. And then there's a, mm-hmm. a, 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 um, like it's kind of like these. No, is real, is a really strange Japanese theater tradition because a lot of it gets expressed in these masks. Mm. Mm-hmm. I feel like
3: she's coming on to him because uh, he's come back from the dead, but uh, he's sort of pushing her away. Even if I touch you, please don't wake up. So, like, she's a maiden. She's like she's ready. Is basically what I'm getting from this. Like on the previous mm-hmm. page, you've got the two birds flying in unison together, kind of a thing. Let's just some illusion there. The thing that's really creeping me out is this page 108 this like terrible doll in the bottom on the oh, bottom panel of page 108 <laughs>
4: yeah that like you don't have a sex doll at your yeah. place i
3: <clears> don't <throat> have that sex doll at my place i'll tell you that <laughs> yeah it's interesting too because all the advertising art i'm looking up some japanese advertising art from the 1930s when this book would have been set and a lot mm-hmm. of it is still more traditional looking like more traditional ideas but there are some things starting to uh sneak in that look an awful lot like even the outfit actually here you go look at this this is here i'll put this in the chat Mm. look at this poster this camera poster and it's like a whole thing (laughs) compare if you look at the cover of the book like Mm. these people are very much archetypical i think I'll see if I can find an even better one that's even closer. But yeah, this is, there's definitely some reference going on here. There's definitely, I feel like there's a lot here that readers who have been following Maduo or who are older are going to pick up on these these allusions to the time period and these characters mm-hmm. and things that I think in a lot of ways that we just, like I know I don't have the background to appreciate everything. I know I got a lot more out of this trip or out of this read, sorry, than I did the first time I read it in 2013. Mm. And I know that, you know, five more years of visiting Japan and learning and reading old <laughs> books, like maybe I'll pick up five more years with the stuff. But yeah, I think it's the kind of book, absolutely, like I think Chip, you said it, it's going to re- reward repeated rereadings yeah. over the years. There's there's more and more there. Yeah.
4: I love books that make me feel curious, whether about the art or about what the story's about. Because I don't know much about Taisho Japan outside of like the fashion looking like this, and I think this is a really cool aesthetic.
1: Mm. Yeah,
4: but all the art references, the sexy
2: shark lady—there's <laughs> just so much where I'm like, what does any of this mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah mm. I, I, I agree. I mean, this book made me really curious about sex islands and how can I get to them?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently on, on page two ten, where they there's mm. a there's a thing where the big mouth that you can walk through. Yeah. That's a real place. Oh, yeah, I feel like I've seen that—the one that they
3: said there's like a real version of it in Italy or something.
0: Yes.
4: <laughs> no, it's a bathroom. Yeah, yeah. That's, oh, yeah, like, it's a bathroom. Yeah, I've
2: got that page open just because, yeah. like, I wanted to point it out as being one of my favorite pages because it's so funny. Cause it's just a <laughs> shot of just this, like, <laughs> <laughs> this ominous giant monkey mouth, and then where does it just lead? It, that's a bathroom. That's it. That's all <laughs> they say about it. <laughs> they move on.
0: It's like I, I saw that picture and I thought, I've seen this before. So I had to I had to Google it and it's like, oh my god, it's an actual park in Italy built by mm-hmm. in sixteenth century by this man who was mourning the death of his wife. It's like called this park of monsters.
3: Wait, so wow. is it is this actually a
0: a it's bathroom a in Italy bathroom. too?
3: Because I could see it I, a,
0: I
2: a could see it being there. a bathroom, huh?
3: This is crazy.
2: Anything's a bathroom if you believe in yourself. <laughs>
4: <laughs> terrible. You're terrible. Uh, looking at this scene again, his wife is not into the tour at all. No. Kind of <laughs> at the end and, no. But her every reply in the scene is like a question or concern or like confusion.
2: <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is why the cover is so funny. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> and when she says uh, the sculptures look alive and then the sculpture looks at her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, which I'm pretty sure of what's happening. Ah, it's so good. Yeah. Could you imagine if your partner came back to life and was like, I'm going to use all of our money to build a naked sex island?
1: Uh, like-
2: <laughs> again, I'm, I'm interested. <laughs>
3: um, is there a way to do it without disrupting the local fishing population? Can we work them in somehow?
4: <laughs> no, this is like ultra gentrification.
3: Yeah, right.
2: I mean you can invite them to the sex island. But. <laughs> this, is a, this is a bit of a digression, and uh. maybe I've mentioned it on the uh, podcast before, but my first time going to Japan, it was a whirlwind thing because it was just like seven days in which or four days in which we just kind of ran around and did all this stuff with a friend who was living there. and he kept mm-hmm. saying, like, oh we, we, we should go to Tokyo Disney Sea and I'm like, well, I'm not a Disney guy. He's like, no, it's like Disney for adults." Like people go there for like date nights, I'm like Disney for adults. And I had this idea in my mind of just like, not quite Panorama Island. <laughs> but I, had a, I, had a, I had an idea in my, mind like, Oh yeah. I think for adults where maybe, yeah, maybe it's a little bit sexier. Maybe it's like you're, you're picking up or, um, I, I don't know. I had all these ideas and I got there and it's just Disney without mascots. that's all it is (laughs) and i was so upset (laughs) for some reason i thought of that a lot when i was reading panorama island because i'm like this is (laughs) the this is the disney world that i want this is kind of
4: he kind of builds disney world yeah Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Yeah. he really does i mean there is like that actual kind of uh tube uh like underwater tube in aquariums Mm -hmm. i think there's one in japan and i think there's one in las vegas like the We've actually shark got
3: one tank? in Toronto now at uh, mm-hmm. Ripley's down by the Ripley's Aquarium down by the waterfront. Has this like tube? You can basically become sound surrounded on all sides. It's not natural, obviously, mm-hmm. because it is not warm enough for tropical fish here. But yeah, such as life. Yet. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> and I'm not allowed to take my clothes off there, as I discovered. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was you that got into that tank naked.
2: Yeah. I, I, I wanted to point out one panel that. Mm. Um, I really, really loved, which is uh, on 216, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: where the wife faints. Ah. Oh, the sideways panel? They make it sideways because Mm. you're supposed to kind of be reflective of her experience, Mm.
1: Mm. which
2: is such a smart way to do that.
3: Yeah, th- mm-hmm. that, uh, that lettering turning on its side just a little bit mm-hmm. to show how off-kilter things have gotten, I think yeah. is such a good – yeah, I agree with that 100%. That's such yeah. a good uh, such a good deal.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of smart yeah. stuff in here.
0: I've only now noticed the woman wearing the shark outfit.
4: <laughs> it kills me. That drawing absolutely kills me. Okay, what page?
0: 230 two, two – 240. 240, all right.
4: You'll have to turn to 237 to get it because there's no page number. Yeah. There's not a page number But she has such a classically beautiful face. And then it's like, by the way, full body shark costume with boobs and butt. Oh,
2: yeah. It reminds me. I
4: love (laughs) that. That's (laughs) that's the new X Men costume. (laughs) Yeah. There's this video game called Dragon's Crown, which is really good, but has an extremely horny aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And there's a scene where you meet a mermaid, but she has like a human butt. And it's like, the tip top of useless TNA, but it's so far over the top, it moves back around to being really funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's what that reminded me of. I was like, wow, this is cut from the same cloth.
0: I just never noticed this until now. <laughs> like I just like it was, there was so much overwhelming visuals and coming at you in yeah, those last yeah. chapters. Like the fact that I could just completely not notice this until now. <laughs> after several readings <laughs> The of this
4: chapter, <laughs> every page is, Buck Wild, like when yeah. the Salome dance, I'm pretty sure that his head is taking the place of John the Baptist. Said, mm. and they're all entertained by the uh, blasphemy. Possibly, mm.
2: yeah.
1: Oh, there's it's so much.
4: Just goes off, yeah, yeah.
2: Like, oh yeah, there's like there's a page of like a bunch of people carrying like a giant like like a, a shell or a horn or something, and there's just a bunch of other people stuffed into the horn. Oh yeah, <laughs> and the
4: one guy there's a dog on top of the horn.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: It's, just
4: it's wild.
1: Uh, Oh no my gosh,
4: numbers, man! It's a couple pages after Sharkley. Yeah, oh, okay. And he's writing on the palanquin.
2: Yeah, the best part is like there's that panel which is just ludicrous, and the panel right next to it is him just being like, "Yep, that's what I wanted." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Then <laughs> right after that there's a train that has that face like Fritz Lang's metropolis.
2: Yes. Yes.
4: Is that where that's from? Goodness. Yeah.
0: Or Thomas the Tank engine.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's such like a cultural melange that it feels almost apocalyptic. Like there's no there's no specific identity represented here except just this one man's lunacy. Yeah, and it turns out the color pages at the beginning, which we got to get Chip's opinion on, <laughs> are probably from like the very end of the book. Oh, uh, in terms of staging,
1: because
4: hmm. it ends with and finally his earthly paradise had been completed, like a mad and endless carnival. The entire
2: island was swept over over a photo of a red firework going off. Yeah, um, I didn't mind the color pages. Hmm.
0: Amazing. <laughs> Which is, you know, I
4: think Morrow is actually a professional painter as well, so that probably helps.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's not a lot too, but it it suits the style. Like it's not necessarily the kind of color choices I would make. Yeah. No, I like it. It's subtle. I like, but it yeah, lot. but yeah, it, it it works with that kind of line work. Mm-hmm. Do you all think that Panorama
4: Island closed after the sudden death of its founder? <laughs>
0: <laughs> or, or did no make job. it more
2: intriguing to others. <laughs>
0: It's like Jurassic Park.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's just like the awkward boat trip home, like all the people having sex on the island. Like, well, I guess um, I'm, I'm, I hope I hope they haven't, you know, filled my position at the local kiln. <laughs> Slightly oh, covering a... up.
3: <laughs> the guy running the kiln was on the island, and they shut the kiln down because he hasn't been to work in like a month.
4: <laughs>
1: oh, <wait>. Okay. <laughs> i love
4: it oh that guy who is like maybe this guy i'm working with is a secret double but i'm having so much sex that i don't care i'm just gonna like ride this out yeah, yeah. I, amazing i like I that get he it. gets
3: like a like a nice panel close-up of like his hard wang too like that was like yeah. yeah there you go this is this is his denouement is like mm-hmm. like oh he's getting some good for good for him and for everybody
0: is this the most adult manga that we've that we've uh that we've covered
3: Oh, by oh well, Helter Skelter was more adult but grosser, so it's kind of mm. tough. This is the
4: most explicit for sure. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's
0: yeah. So think twice about getting it for your libraries, ladies.
3: <laughs> oh, we should. Uh, <laughs> actually, I'm really curious. I, I this is too much for I think most circulating libraries, but I know it's such an important historical work as the only like motto and one of the very few translated Edgar. Uh, sorry, Edogara – Edogawa Rampo books that i'm sure there are copies in libraries across this great nation Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. i did promote it like there was a ala panel where they asked me to talk about classic literature turned into manga and i did mention this one Mm. but i did Mm. say there's some there's some sexy time in here so
4: yeah oh yeah yeah i didn't see the adults only on the back cover until i finished the book
0: (laughs) as it should be
1: but it's
4: (laughs) right
0: but it's last gasp too right and so this is not beyond the pale for last gasp
3: no. Well, shout out Toronto Public Library has four circulating copies, but I can't tell which oh that yeah, at like various branches. So there you go.
4: Not after this podcast they want. <laughs> as
2: as as a man who's been banned from many a library, not just mm. personally, but my work, <laughs> I fully support this being in more libraries.
4: Yeah, same. Yeah.
2: They killed the design as well. It's oh. really
4: handsome. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Good. And I can tell like the foil placement is so fine
0: in some places that it must have been a nightmare. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's true, huh. Yeah. Spoken like a true editor who appreciates <laughs> these yeah. th- these little things.
4: Yeah, the production It has horrible. ruined my life. Oh, I'm foil. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, let's go around real quick Um, any last words on this book. Uh, let's start with Chris this time.
3: Yeah, I'm actually really impressed by it, and I was real bummed that the publication of this book and in the near-immediate sellout did not lead to more Matawa works being translated into, uh, into English. I know the problem was that it had really low pre-orders, because the kind of person this book is for is not someone who's reading the previous catalog for the most part every month and picking stuff up. So it was not printed as many copies as it should, and then it sold out immediately, and then there were copies. It was unavailable for, I think, a couple of years. They did a Kickstarter, I think, for this one to get it back into print through Last Gasp. And that's, you know, it's it's tough when these things don't get onto people's radars until after they're already out and being talked on the Internet. And it's why... I was and still am such a big proponent of pre-ordering books and supporting things as early in the process as you can. I think that kind of support is really necessary. I'm really glad it's back in print. Like, Actually, when you chose this book, I wasn't sure that there were going to be copies available for Chip to even get, so really happy it's available. Yeah, I like it plenty and I want to just keep reading it and learning more. Uh, I got to learn all about, in the research for this episode, I got to learn about Erogoro nonsense as opposed to Erogoro, which is like a whole other offshoot of that and yeah, how it affects some of my favorite artists like Flori Usumaru, who did uh, Lychee Light Club, which is maybe closest to this kind of book in terms of its themes and where it's going with the ero Goro stuff, but has also done a lot of other work in English. Or Shintaro Kago, mm-hmm. who has had four or five books in English now. And yeah, I think uh, I'm glad it's I'm glad it's out there, and I hope it finds the right person. We forgot to do this last episode, but if I was going to recommend this to somebody who Wanted to read books, I would maybe recommend to someone who really likes J.H. Williams' work. He's an American Mm. superhero comics artist. He did uh, Promethea and then Batwoman. He does really inventive panel layouts and really sort of beautiful individual drawings and panels for the most part. That I think if you like his kind of stuff, you'll really like what Maro is doing here. And vice versa. If you end up liking this and want to see something similarly inventive but in an American comics mold, I'd I'd say check out the work of J.H. Williams.
0: Awesome. David? Let's let's get your final thoughts on this one. Chris's comment about Williams
4: actually reminded me that this book reminded me a lot of Terry and Rachel Dodson's Muse, the French graphic novel that they did, Mm -hmm. which was kind of like a cheesecakey, like, oh no, my governess keeps getting transported into weird dream worlds where she barely wears clothes. (laughs) But a similar level of craft and care put into the art and the setting and that kind of thing. Because it's beautiful. Like, it's a beautiful book. This is also beautiful and kind of a similarly aristocratic vibe. But yeah, I thought Strange Tale of Panorama Island was really fun and really confounding. I liked it, but it's the kind of like, I feel like I have to like qualify, even though I liked so many different parts of it, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's such like a strange book, but totally worth the time. And even though we spoiled a lot of this, you're not going to see the final chapter coming at all. I don't think there's too much.
3: I don't think, like I just counted... There's a hundred pages where there's no plot. Like the plot stops on like page one hundred and fifty and then picks up again mm-hmm. on page 250. It really is about the experience of reading it. Like it's not about reading it for spoilers or whatever, although that's fun. It's just like mm-hmm. luxuriate in this book. And I think that that's yeah,
4: the drawings are wild.
3: We don't get a lot of that honestly from like we don't get a lot of that in North American comics, at least not in let's let's leave it there. We don't get a lot of that in North American comics so that makes this book even more of a unique choice i think i'm right there with you man Mm -hmm.
1: yeah
2: i mean this is an experience of a book like it's hard for me to even kind of picture the the novel or novella that it's based on because Mm -hmm. so much of this is just about the the artistry and showing you this island in in such a weird surreal manner yeah I, i i i think i love this book more than even before we started the conversation, because the more we talk about them, I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's there's more. There is a lot more to it." But even on mm-hmm. the surface level, I think it's just it's a spectacular book. Thank and you. Yeah, I, I would recommend it to anyone who um, loves uh, creepy, mm-hmm. loves sex. <laughs> there's, there's a pretty
0: heavily overlapping Venn diagram, I think, out there.
2: Sure is. I think so. Sure is. <laughs> Neat.
0: Deb, you started
3: off so trepidatious about this book. Yeah. But I'm curious what your final thoughts are on it.
0: Yeah, Does you
2: apologized like... to us for it. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, I guess because I know his other work, and I just feel like this is just not his best work. Hmm. It, hmm. Like, his other work, actually, like, I've, I've read some of his work in Japanese, and it physically made me nauseous because it was (laughs) it was so grotesque and so and yet beautiful like just the shock value of what what he puts in his books like oh my god they're really doing that you know and it's it's a certain it's a really special type of horror because it's both beautiful and disgusting Mm -hmm. like like you know eroguro is basically erotic and grotesque basically and Mm -hmm. that's what this is it's And so, like his work that follows it, and this is a selfish plea to last guests. I loved if they would do Imomushi or Caterpillar, which is the book, uh, the second Irogawa Rampo story that he did after this. And it's much, much more beyond the pale. It's like about a man who comes back from the Russo Japanese War and he's completely, his arms and legs have been blown off. He's basic, and Imomushi is kind of like Caterpillar. So he's basically like this armless, legless vegetable but his, and then his wife starts it still takes care of him but things start going in a very dark and scary direction soon enough mm-hmm. so it's a really it's another edogal rample story and it's kind of like that you know that i forgot that book that was uh that dalton trumbull st- story that inspired one by metallica no, i don't know it
3: Sorry. No, <laughs> you don't know that. It's oh, so, the end of my limits of knowledge.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, so there, there was this, there was this Dalton Trumbull movie about a guy who survived the war, but he, all his arms and legs were uh, blown off, and then he's 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 mute, so he's stuck in his this body, and he can't communicate with the world. So he's wondering why why am mm-hmm. I dead? And so it's a really strong anti-war book. Mm-hmm. And so Imamushi is kind of like you know like talks about the Russo-Japanese mm-hmm. War. And so it's kind of, uh, I think it's a much more horrifying book, and a much more uh, impactful book. But it is a tough read. <laughs> yeah, so, sounds like it. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, knowing how the other Maru Suohuro books I've read affected me and seemed like, oh, this is easy. <laughs> this, <laughs> one, this one's not that bad at all. I could eat dinner after this one. You know? Like, the other ones just made, just were. Uh, Like, I mean, the fact that it could get banned in Japan, and you know what it takes to get banned in Japan. Hello.
4: (laughs) 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 Would you say that his work is comparable to um, what Hiroaki Samura does in, like, the eroguro realm?
0: Yeah, kind of, yes. Yes, it goes in that direction.
3: Samura keeps a lot of his, like, harder eroguro stuff to his art books and i feel mm-hmm. like he he it's definitely there in parts of blade of the immortal and things like that but blade of the Immortal was still running in like comic beam or whatever like there's like a limit on what he could do it but as soon as he's not as soon as he's doing like one shots or, or art books and things like that yeah i would say that the limits of what i would say that their limits are pretty <laughs>
1: complementary
3: that's a weird <laughs> way of putting it but like yeah if you like you know that if you like that kind of stuff i think you'll find it here but definitely Li- of, of stuff that's been published in English, Lychee Light Club, uh, some of the stuff that's that uh, like Kago Shintaro is doing. Mm-hmm. There was a big push for Toshio Sai- uh, Saiki's work. Mm-hmm. He does work that's inspired by Japanese woodblock prints, but also incorporates like uh, a yokai and forest spirits, but also this sort of like erogoro like basically oh, uh, like one of the long-necked uh, yokai ladies is coming in through the window. What does she see? Another yok- yokai having sex with a young girl and this is this disturbing sequence that is trying to like layer all these things on that's where his work goes so it's like not surprising a lot of it <laughs> hasn't been translated but there is work out there uh that definitely last
0: published a Toshio Saeki art book yeah last and last, I have yeah. that
3: mm-hmm. and that's like if you if that's getting published there's other stuff that could get published too but yeah it's it's I think maybe different when it's comics when it's a narrative I think a standalone image is one thing, and you can like decide how you relate to it. But uh, if you add a narrative to that, where like dark things happen, and they do, they absolutely do. I think that that's a big deal. But yeah, there's there's so much work out there. If you read French, uh, well, you've probably already known for a while that this is there's a wonderland of works awaiting you by Madouls and say if you're at all interested. How many people could possibly read French, Chris? <laughs> dozens, <laughs> dozens of people. <laughs>
0: dozens, at least.
3: <laughs> Shout out to Helen who uh, tagged tagged Manga's planning on Twitter the other day. Who was like, "When Chris keeps talking about how things are huge in France, I'm like, oh my god, is that how I sound?" Because she's from France, <laughs> and I was like, "Yep, there you go, there you go." Uh, the amount of French manga I have in my house because I can't get those books in English is uh, it's, it's a sad state of affairs. But uh, eh.
0: well, things are changing, and I think you know now that manga is apparently selling like two or three times more than it did last year. Like, yeah. I think we might be in for some uh, some more books that may be outside of what we normally think is publishable in America.
2: Chris, mm-hmm. what you should do is, <laughs> some business advice, you Oh, should, no. you should produce a Shonen Jump style monthly book that's just all the French, the stuff that's been translated into French, now translated into English. It's called like French Shonen Jump or something like that.
3: <laughs> David, I wouldn't get in trouble for that, right? Like they would be
4: they'd be right no, there. No, That's totally legal. Yeah. <laughs>
1: cool, cool, cool. cool, cool,
4: cool. cool, cool, cool. Get it's right not up. even in Japanese. It makes perfect sense. <laughs>
0: All right. I think that's a good time for a break before the lawyers come knocking on our door. All right. <laughs> before my boss calls me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this ad Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
3: Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust. So I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com podcast.
0: Okay, we're back. I hope you went and bought everything from that wonderful <laughs> advertiser who just gave us some money to keep doing this. But in any case, it's now time for our second part of the show, which is Q&A. David, what do we have in the mailbag?
4: Uh, I've got a short and sweet one from Ninja.Mortis. He's there at Kuro Kamikaze on Twitter. Uh, why don't publishers hire letters to design or translate sound effects? Are they just too cheap? And unfortunately, publishers do that all the time and have sort of since the beginning of the manga boom in the US. Viz almost entirely retouches their books, save for certain special projects where they ch- take the lettering from Japanese letters and turn them to english Mm. and it's expensive because it's actually really hard work like retouching a book is requires like extreme photoshop skills in my opinion
3: absolutely
0: it's a real art essentially
4: changing yeah if you mess up it's really obvious if you've seen like that fresco the lady tried to fix and repair (laughs) for the mess up face it can turn out like that like exactly like that if you mess it up but it's a kind of a contentious thing because some people think you should keep the original sound effects lettering because it's part of the art or it's integrated into the art and in some cases i think that's true uh series like bleach or one piece to use like shonen jump easy examples have very cool lettering Mm. but i think the english letterers, sound effect letterers, do a really good job of finding new sound effects to fit in those same spaces without making it too awkward if you want to know more about lettering manga you should google studio proteus they Translated and lettered a lot of manga in the 90s. And, uh, and there's the early 2000s with Dark Horse. They kind of have my platonic ideal of what a manga looks like. Like when I mentioned, when I think of manga, like I see their lettering, I see like that kind of style. And some letters that I work with, there's a guy named Brandon Bovia on Twitter. He's at B R A N D O N B O V I A. He's really good. He talks about his pro- process quite a bit. We worked on a Transformers manga together from the 80s. Where we only had like completely flat files, you know, from thirty years ago. Yeah, Chris knows about this project. I do. And it's a nightmare to get files like that because if they're modern, you can use all kinds of like Photoshop tricks to sort of like work it out. But if it's from back then, you can see like the actual texture of the page. You can see the ink on the page. You really have to be on top of your game. And Brandon absolutely killed it. Like it was a really fun book. He really brought some great sound effects. And he brought like creative things to the book as well. We used a font, uh Comicraft's Joe hubert because it had a cool 80s vibe. And that was Brandon's idea, and it perfectly fit the art. Mm. So publishers do translate sound effects and letters add a lot to manga. So please look at the credits and see what you're uh like if you notice something cool in a book, always look to see who did it or who might have had a hand in it and see what else they do. Yeah.
3: I think it's really important to mention that the reason why so many different publishers other than viz for the most part don't translate sound effects. And it's because that's kind of, there's a two part thing, but the first part is that's what you all wanted back in the, yeah. back in the late nineties and early two thousands. You wanted it to be 100% authentic, authentic, yeah, hundred percent authentic. I love you. learn to GIF.
2: read Japanese. God damn it.
3: <laughs> but, but beyond that, um, the move to not, doing full translations of sound effects, like not doing retouch, which is like a word you can say, but usually involves like 10 hours of work. Uh, When Mm -hmm. like old books, all of the art is like a flat thing. It's almost like scanning it out of a book. So, you know, now a lot of sound effects are done on the computer. They're done on separate layers. You can pull the Japanese ones out and just do English ones on top. But like old books, especially like that Transformers or like Tech on Kinkrete, which we read last week, you've got to go in there Mm -hmm. and manually like White out the Japanese sound effect and redraw an English sound effect in. Hopefully, covering up all the stuff you deleted. But if not, you've got to redraw parts of the original artwork. It's an incredibly labor-intensive process, and I think it's it's an art job. It's not it's not even a design job yeah. at a certain
4: point. Letterer is the wrong word, I think. Yeah,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's it's. Rough. I think I've it seen, it so we rough.
0: call it lettering translator. Um, yeah yeah <laughs> I've, I've seen like like Phil Christie, he's another letterer and Sarah Lindsay they if you follow them on Twitter they share like these process videos of how they do things in Photoshop and InDesign that mm-hmm. an illustrator on how they adapt sound effects and it's just mind-blowing
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it looks yeah. like a lot of work.
2: Yeah I but think it, it's gotten easier in the past few years like the advances in Photoshop mm-hmm. like in terms of like kind of replicating areas around mm-hmm. to cover up. Previous sound effects, um,
4: content-aware fill is like magic. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But like, I'm I'm looking at a few pages here in Panorama Island, and like, it's a firework going off with like just a million lines, and the the sound effect is very slight, and it's supposed to be boom, 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 and I'm like, oh, that would be real hard to,
1: <laughs> to, to, to get to work.
2: Yeah. yeah, I I've had a bunch of work translated into other languages, and um, the, the biggest one has been Sex Criminals, which is in uh, a fair number of countries in different editions. And no one really translates the background gags or anything, because there's too many of them. Except in Russia, <laughs> the <laughs> Russian edition, yeah, they translated everything. And I don't even know how they As did footnotes? it. As footnotes? No. Like, like there's one page where a character walks into a sex shop, and I remember counting the number of gags that I wrote into it. Like you know, titles of movies and things in the backgrounds and signs. Yeah. And there were seventy-two gags in there, and they translated every <laughs> single one in the artwork. Like they actually like you know re re lettered everything on the page. And I, I don't even know what it because half of them are puns, so I don't even know how you would translate that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it's it is, and it's just so much work because like, no, at no point did anyone request for unflattened files either. So like they were going mm-hmm. through all the effects that I put in the work, uh, and and still doing it. It's uh it's remarkable. Like when I, I I flew to Moscow for a convention and I got to meet the publishers, and because comics are kind of a young thing there, the publisher was like twenty three, mm-hmm. and it was his like girlfriend who was like twenty one who did all that work. Wow, like, this one person did it all. I'm like. <laughs> Just my, like I doubt even
4: mind. all of them are even visible in the panel
2: no no I should I should try and find the original file like of what they did because yeah. it, it really is just remarkable
4: hmm. that actually reminds me of a um, a relevant shower thought that I had recently hmm. where people say lettering should be invisible but really it's that lettering should be integrated into the art like it should fit the story that's there yeah hmm. and I think by trying to translate all those into Russian by translating you know the sound effects into English. We're trying to make sure that there's no speed bumps for the reader. Yeah. Mm. So you don't go, oh, I have no idea what this could possibly be.
1: Yeah.
4: But 72 jokes in one panel, one has got to be some kind of record. <laughs> <And> two
2: <laughs> That's what I was going for, yeah.
4: Yeah. It just that's really impressive. I wonder if it's because they work with the publisher instead of you, so they didn't know that they could email chip and say, Hey, send us panel one, page six dot PSD. Yeah, whatever. yeah,
2: probably. It definitely would have made it a lot easier for them yeah i think yeah it's 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 an incredible amount of work to to do these kind of lettering adaptations Mm -hmm.
1: Mm
4: -hmm. yeah like deb was saying follow all those people Mm -hmm. (laughs) e.k weaver on again has like great lettering on that book and it can be really tough to letter manga but they kill it every volume
0: let's give a shout out to evan hayden who did the lettering on this one because he had he yeah. had his work cut out for him
3: <laughs> yeah the lettering on this looked great i, I gotta say we mm-hmm. maybe the lettering was integrated or invisible or what whatever you want to call it i thought this was uh we usually call it out when it's not when it's bad but yeah when it fits pretty well it it does just make the story like it, this looks like a complete object uh, going back mm-hmm. to panorama island mm-hmm. it looks like thoroughly conceived on every level uh there's a on my copy i don't know if it's caught in the second printing that you guys maybe are working with there was a couple spelling mistakes and things like that which was kind of annoying yeah. Nakanoshima or nakonoshima i think uh are referred to different two different ways but just like i don't know copy editing like that doesn't bother me like it bothers me it bothers other people i know but like i do think that this is a really thoroughly conceived project and it's yeah. you know it's a hardcover and it is 30 US so if you want to start paying $25 a volume for all of your manga so that it gets hand retouched sound effects and condition and blah 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 go ahead but I see a lot of people complaining that manga is too expensive at you know shonen jumps a buck 99 a month or whatever it is yeah like there's a trade-off people need to be paid for their work and deserve a living wage so uh,
4: what are you gonna do Yeah.
0: yeah well well, that's part of that's a, that was worth manga splaining. I'll i have to say.
4: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Let's give a shout out to our our friends, the letterers, who are the unsung heroes of many a manga.
3: Thanks, letterers. Thanks, letterers.
0: <laughs> righty. I think that's it for this week. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with even more manga and more splaining. So <laughs> be here. Aloha. This has been Manga Splitting Episode 16. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing Even Though We're Adults by Takako Shimura. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at ComicTopLocator.com. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at MangaSplitting.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment for this episode.